looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte, joined by my co-host, DJ Smith. And if you guys are listening to this, a very merry Christmas Eve. And if you're listening to this, maybe Merry Christmas if you're uh, driving over to a family or friend's house or traveling. Thank you for tuning in with us. Um, but DJ, how are you doing? I'm doing good and happy holidays, happy new year, all that good stuff. Uh, we yep. want to make sure we we do it uh, appropriate for whatever the season is that you celebrate. <laughs> Most definitely. And so, you know, you and I, we've had a lot going on. Um, my wife and I, we had our, our baby last month, Margo. Uh, we broke ground on construction of our house. Uh, you and I are, and all of our investors and partners closed on a deal earlier this week. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff in the works, which is great. So uh, today, though, we really want to talk about that deal we closed this week, um, Allison Heights over in Concord. So are you sure you don't want to talk about the 12 hours of driving I did for a deal that we almost got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, so on the last episode, I recorded a, a, a solo one and I actually talked about it, how we went to best and final. So yeah, DJ did a, a 12 hour round trip to uh, Columbus, Georgia out of 12 groups. For those that didn't listen, we made it to best and final. So us and one other group. And unfortunately, we got second place. We didn't get awarded the deal. So uh, fingers yeah, crossed that one comes back around. What we want everyone to know is we're out here working hard for you. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. That uh, we're, we're active uh, in the Southeast market. Uh, we'll do whatever it takes. It was kind of a last minute thing. And uh, we had to get out to see an apartment building. Yep. Um, it was in Columbus, Georgia, which for me is about a six or so hour drive. And and uh, we just, you know, hopped in the car, got it done. Uh, great asset, came really close. And we're going to continue to do that. You win some, you lose some. It's okay. The important thing for our investors to know is we're always going to buy right. So the oh, yeah. deal we're talking about today, the one we did close on, uh, we certainly did that. And really excited to share some of the details with everybody out there. Yeah, definitely. And, and a possibility we might have a 28 unit upcoming in the future here. If we do get awarded that next week, we'll be making announcements on that to our investors after we complete due diligence. So uh, with that, we'll, we'll get right into it. So Allison Heights Apartments in Concord, North Carolina, it's a, a submarket or neighborhood of Charlotte, you could say. Um, it's in the Charlotte MSA and a uh, great area. So 27% population growth since 2010, which are great numbers. Uh, 24 unit apartment complex that we purchased. Yeah, uh, can't say enough about the Concord market. Um, third fastest growing city in the country, according to one report. It is actually its own city. It sets in a different county or it resides outside of Mecklenburg County, which is where Charlotte is. Yep. Uh, one of the things we really like about it is uh, the downtown area. It oh, has yeah. this. Uh, I would call it a, a quaint kind of old uh, flavored downtown where they've done some streetscapes. They have some mixed use projects going in there. Um, some really neat buildings. Uh, I'll call them mid-rise apartments. 
with commercial on the first floor. So there'll be some retail and such on the first floor. One of the new structures actually has a rooftop restaurant, which I think is, is a really cool idea. Yeah, it is. Uh, most people actually know Concord um, for its relationship to Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yep. Uh, so Charlotte Motor Speedway is actually, I believe it's actually in Concord Mills, uh, which is all part of the Northeast uh, Charlotte metropolis. This sits right off the I-85 corridor. I-85 runs from Atlanta through South Carolina into the Greenville Spartanburg area uh, through Charlotte and uh, east through North Carolina, through Greensboro and so on. Uh, so it's, it's the major corridor that runs east-west uh, through the southeast down here, uh, turning everything into a minimum of six lanes pretty much all the way to uh, Atlanta uh, from Greensboro. It's, it's a pretty sizable highway. Uh, lots of traffic and lots of great stuff going on. It's just going to continue to build. Yeah, it definitely is. And so we, we really track the I-85 corridor um, and that's where growth is tracking too. And talking about this deal, DJ, you know, we're literally a mile from downtown. You just go down the main drag and take a right and you're at our community now. And those five mixed use development projects, those streetscapes going in, you know, when we were there, it was so cool because it was so busy and there was cranes in the sky and it, lots of development. And they're not pouring money into those areas unless there's uh, growth. And there definitely is. And something people might say is, well, if there's all these cranes going there, all these apartments going up, aren't you guys nervous? Well, not really. These are brand new A-class apartments. Our building is built in uh, 1986. It's more of a C-class workforce housing, blue collar, slight mix of white collar uh, individuals that are going to be renting yep. from us. So yep. the, the residents here, we won't be competing to get them, which is a big part. Yeah. Um, yeah, no huge. doubt. And in, in, uh, <clears throat> just a couple blocks away from us it is a, a main road. I don't recall the name of the street right now, but it's one of the main arteries that goes into Concord. Mm-hmm. And it has these gorgeous homes uh, that I'm sure back in the day when they were built, uh, that's where um, some of the, the bigger homes in the area were on the street. But they're these old homes, these big, beautiful southern porches. And um, it's just a it, it's a really neat neighborhood, uh, literally two blocks away. Uh, the immediate neighborhood around us um, has got some decent housing there. There's renovations going on. It's certainly an up and coming area. Every syndicator we talk to who knows and studies Charlotte and even realtors who know the market uh, have really congratulated uh, us for uh, acquiring an asset in this area as one of our starter assets. Um, The thing I want to say is I don't care about us. I care about our investors. And for anybody who's considering doing business with us, um, I, I think my partner, my hat's off to him. He was the one who found the deal. Um, it's uh, just really fortunate to be a part of a, a syndication team. Uh, so that's us and all our investors who <clears throat> um, decided to participate with us. Uh, having an asset in this area is, is just a really cool thing to be a part of. It's really neat to be a part of this market. We know what this market's gonna do. We know the returns that it's gonna produce. Um, so the reason why I'm really excited and while everybody's patting us on the back, uh, it's, it's really our excitement about our investors, about the potential that is in this property, uh, that I just know in my heart's going to come through 
um, and really put their money to work and allow them to sit back and enjoy the returns from this asset. Yeah, definitely. So I would like to dive into, I really want to set the stage for the property, dive into the business plan and then the numbers. And DJ, if you have anything, feel free to interrupt me or chime in there. So for this property, it's 24 units, three buildings. Um, Each building consists of eight units. They're all two bedrooms, all one bath units, 868 square feet. So all very very similar units. There's there's no other unit mix. There's no ones, there's no threes, um, no office no amenities besides a laundry facility. So what current ownership has done is they've gone in, they have uh, redone the exterior of the buildings, redone the roofs, uh, a majority HVAC units on the property as well. Um, They have completely gutted and rebuilt really the laundry facility. And they've actually gone as far as to about, I I can't remember now because the amount of deals we've looked at, but seven to nine, maybe even 10 of the units have been renovated. DJ, do you know what that number is? Yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed number. I'd say nine that are fully renovated. Okay. Uh, if you want to throw it into that category, others that have had some partial renovations done. And the other thing I want to throw in there, which I, I think is huge, is they've painted all the exteriors too. Um, yeah, I mean, that looks great. It's brick exteriors, uh, pitched asphalt, architectural shingle roofs. Um, so great, great looking asset and a really good area. They really cleaned up and did a lot of the deferred maintenance, the heavy lift. And what they did with these interiors were they they went and renovated them and they proved rents. So the non-renovated units were sitting anywhere from six fifty to about seven fifty uh, a month in rent. As they started to renovate these units, they were able to push rents as high as nine eighty five, I believe, was what the, was the highest one. And they had two levels of renovations. They had a partial renovation and a full renovation. Partial renovation was new vinyl flooring, paint, light fixtures, vanity in the bathroom tub surround, tub slash shower surround, uh, repainting cabinets, laminate countertops, and, and black appliances, and, and some new windows and carpeting in the bedrooms. So uh, a, a partial renovation, we'll call it. A full renovation, which we'll get to in a second here, is uh, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, dishwasher, tile background, tile surround, um, ceiling fans, like they, they really went all out. It even t- it went as far as to take a wall out between the kitchen and the living area. And what they realized after they did, I believe, four or five of these is they were achieving the same rents on the partial renovated that they were doing on the full renovated, but they're spending about $4,000 more. So they stopped doing those renovations and they continue to do the partial renovations. And we saw that. So our plan to go in is uh, they also submitted the property, but they're not collecting on it. So a few things we're going to go in and do is one, we're going to renovate the rest of those units as those partial renovations to achieve that about 980 year one, about 1,015 year two. Uh, they're not collecting pest and trash reimbursements for the property. Um, a majority of our fixed expenses we got down, such as uh, trash removal, insurance, landscaping, we got all those down by thousands of dollars a year on the budget. So that adds to our bottom line or NOI. And then um, submetering for the property too. They only have, I want to say like four or five, maybe six t- residents paying submeter on their water versus the rest of the property. So they're not collecting on that either. So when we implement all of those options, so again, renovating those units, submetering the water, trash and pest, there's lots of value to be added there. Yeah. And uh, I always like to take things back to their basics. 
uh, we, in acquiring these assets, we're acquiring a business. The business has revenue. The revenue is the rents and the other miscellaneous income, and the business has expenses. And Dante, you just did a great job laying out for everybody uh, the income side of this thing. So what we basically found was an asset that uh, has opportunities. It has opportunities because there is rental upside and it has opportunities because the uh, previous owner, while they did a good job managing the property, there was certainly some upside in terms of how much they can push rents, uh, some of the miscellaneous uh, income items like the the pest fee and the trash that Dante mentioned. That and can the be pet collected. fees, I didn't mention either, collecting pet rent. Exactly. So uh, I think they had told us when we were doing our due diligence that there were two or three apartments with pets. Uh, when we actually went there, it was a little bit like a zoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there really was, and that's okay. It's opportunity. It it is. And not, we're not shooting anyone down, but the management they had on the project too, really wasn't doing a world-class job, so to speak. They, they, you know, they weren't keeping track of these pets. They weren't keeping track of the sub metering, the way they were going after it. And, you know, they had the property listed as a single family rental on apartments.com. There's opportunity there. We're bringing in a a world-class property management company that manages 10,000 units throughout the Carolinas and just blown away already by the feedback we've gotten, we've gotten from them and what we're implementing for the business plan. Yeah, and I always want to bring this back to the investor. So uh, I, I think, Dante, we both captured the fact that the, the place was managed well, but there was upside. And uh, the property management company that we brought in, off to a great start, uh, we interviewed many prior to making our selection. And we did not select the cheapest group out there, but that's the group Definitely that's going to yeah. make or break the asset. They will more than pay for the Delta by effectively running this facility. Um, and we're going to do that with everything we do. We know that in order to be successful, we have to have an A-plus team associated with us in everything that we do, uh, whether it's through the acquisition process or the operations, that's what we're doing. The other thing I want to talk about is the market again. So we've talked about market. We've talked about income. Uh, let's tie those two together because there is some unbelievable uh, market rent upside where we're looking. In fact, through our due diligence process, we found a similar aged asset that's unrenovated that right now is collecting rents over $1,100 a month for a similar sized, similar uh, type of apartment unit, which to me is fantastic. Uh, So when we start talking rental comps and we talk about our plan, uh, Dante, I'm going to have you touch on that, but we're comparing ourselves to another facility. Now they have more amenities than we do, so we shouldn't be able to charge as much as them. But I say over $1,100 a month, we've actually seen them drive rents to over $1,200 a month in unrenovated units. Uh, so Dante, from there, uh, why don't you talk about that business plan and, and let's put a bow on the uh, rental income side. Yeah, definitely. So again, DJ, you were saying they're pushing over 1100 a month, they're unrenovated, they have amenities. 
well, we're going to be renovated. We may not have amenities, so we know we're going to be less than them. We're always going to be less than them because we lack those amenities that we just can't have. There's no room for a pool, a dog park, a playground, those, and the property can't sustain the cost for those, uh, those uh, amenities. So we're going to come in, we're going to push rents to about that 985, hopefully over a thousand year one. And we want a majority, if not all the renovated units by year two to be at uh, $1,015 a month charging $5 for pest control, $10 a month for trash, and then they're submetering for the water, and then any pet fees on top of that. Um, so that's going to be what we're looking at for the rental income. DJ, do you want me to kind of jump into numbers, returns, all that good stuff, or is there something else you want me to touch on? Uh, let's just touch on expenses first, because I think we've already done some creative things there. Uh, yeah. So, and I think for us, again, it's a business. The syndication process. We're running a business. We have passive investors. We manage the active side of the business with a team of people. Uh, and what does a business do? They, they track their income and expenses, their, their monthly financials, their P&L, et cetera. And it's that delta in the syndication that's shared with the investors. So let's talk on talk about the uh, expense side of things, and then you can go over how all that ties together and produces the returns and what those look like. Yeah, definitely. So the biggest one up front is insurance. That's a fixed cost we can control. Current management was paying, or current owners were paying $9,500 a year for insurance. We got it down to 6,000 a year, and that's more than enough adequate coverage. It's over insuring the property uh, with umbrella, liability, everything on there. So we're cutting back $3,500 a year right there. And I'll, I'll get into some nitty gritty there in a moment. Um, going down to trash removal, they're paying $7,700 a year. We're at $2,700 a year. So we're saving $5,000 there. Um, and then looking at things like landscaping, they're paying over $6,000 a year. We'll only be paying $3,000 a year. So those are three of the big categories. So if we look right there, we're, we're saving about $3,400 in insurance, plus we're saving another, call it $5,000 in trash removal, plus another $3,000 in landscaping. That's $11,400 of expenses that we are able to decrease and add back to our NOI. So the formula for that is every dollar that you're increasing your NOI by, you're going to divide it by your cap rate. In this uh, property, we purchased this at an inline T12, 5.09% cap rate. So I'm going to take that $11,400, not accounting for anything else. This is just expenses we've saved. I'm going to take that number of savings that goes to our NOI. I'm going to divide it by 5.09%, which is our cap rate. And that instantly adds $225,000 of value to the property. We have done nothing but decrease expenses. We haven't increased income. We haven't started collecting pest uh, reimbursement, trash reimbursement, water submetering. We haven't even bumped rents yet. And we've already increased this property's value by $225,000. That's huge. DJ, you're muted there. That's the power <laughs> of commercial real estate. It is. Uh, it is. So it, it's really amazing. And uh, but everybody, put a bookmark here because the uh, the the cap rate discussion is something we're going to get into as Dante talks about returns. Yep. Uh, so I just want to place a uh, a little asterisk at this point in time because we're going to revisit this cap rate because there's another really cool story to tell here relative to cap rate and returns, but it's not time yet. Yeah, definitely. So we'll, that's we'll, the hook, right? That's, that's the hook. Yeah. We'll, envision we'll commercial break. 
<laughs> so <laughs> we'll bring everybody back. <laughs> what everyone needs to understand every dollar of NOI and every dollar added to the NOI line divided by this cap rate, this purchase cap rate, call it 5%, that's $20 of value. So anytime we're adding a dollar to our NOI, whether that's decreasing expenses by a dollar or increasing income by a dollar, that's going to increase the property value by, by $20. So if we're increasing the property by, call it with rent and everything, $50,000 a year, divided by that 5.09% cap rate, that's a million dollars in value. That's That's very, very powerful. And we'll get into that a little bit more. So talking about the yeah, debt. And Dante, I want to parallel mm-hmm. a, a business thing here because you know I worked for industry for 30 years. And one of the industries I worked for um, was a service industry. It was an industrial laundry. And uh, there was such a focus on increasing income. Um, and you need that. And that's important. And that's good. Uh, but for every dollar you increase your revenue by, it also brings with it inherently uh, you know, depending on the industry, 85 cents worth of expense. So it only increases your bottom line by 15% or 15 cents per dollar, but every dollar saved produces a hundred percent return to that bottom line. So if you can operate your business more efficiently, and that that's really why the expense discussion is important. Like Dante said, uh, coupled with the cap rate, it makes a huge difference. So Revenue is always important. It's always going to be important, whether you're doing multifamily, whether you're doing, uh, you know, just your whatever business it is, it's always important, but it's also important that you operate as efficiently as possible. So we are focused on both and we will always be focused on both because that's what's going to produce the best returns for the investor. Definitely. And I want to talk about acquisition a little bit. So 20, uh, 2.5 million was the uh, acquisition price on this asset. Uh, that's about 104, 104,000 per door. Um, that's kind of how sometimes we describe multifamily purchase price. And the the plan here for the debt was to go with a Freddie SBL small balance loan um, agency debt for this project. And so what we originally budgeted for was 70% loan to value, two years of interest only, about a set a 3.55% interest rate, and then 30 year amortization. And so that's how we submitted to the lender. And that's how we were told we were going to get this acquisition, get this loan. Well, about, I want to say DJ a week or two weeks prior to closing, we got a call prior to our official rate lock that not only did they drop our interest rate from 3.55 to 3.49, they actually increased our loan proceeds from 70 to 73% loan to value. What does that mean? That essentially just means we're getting better loan terms, which are going to cushion us to execute the business plan. I'm not going to say it's going to juice returns or increase returns. Will it have an effect? I'm, I'm sure it will in the long run, but really what it tells us is this property has so much potential and it's operating so well already at acquisition that the lender is very confident and they're going to increase the loan proceeds they give us and therefore directly uh, lower the rate on that. So that's huge. Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, there's, throughout the acquisition process, there's a lot of moving parts. Oh my goodness. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So the, for us, we establish a budget. That budget is our underwriting. And when we do our underwriting, we need to make sure not, not everything's going to go our way. Um, so what we need to do is make sure that we are conservative in enough places where we're not overly conservative. There's a balance to be struck here. 
And if we were to make conservative assumption on top of conservative assumption, we would never acquire a property and never be able to bring the opportunity to the table. Right. Sometimes I'm over conservative and we actually lose out on opportunities. Absolutely. And we always want to err on that side, but there's still a balance to be struck. Uh, So we're, we're always looking at upside. When Dante and I talk about rents, for instance, uh, we're talking about, we're looking at rental comps. We're always talking about bookends. If we were to find a property that's the exact same age, the exact same size, same number of bedrooms, similar fixtures, similar age, similar updates, all of that would be the perfect comp. Well, guess what? In any apartment deal that we look at, there's never the perfect comp. Right. So we start establishing bookends. Well, this one's a little older. This one has more amenities and so on and so forth. And that helps us dial in where we should be from comps. So it's, uh, it's always a process for us of going back and comparing to budget. What's going to help? What's going to hurt? So we know some things aren't going to go our way. And that's okay because we have other things that we're going to build in that we know will go our way. Uh, and it always comes back to that underwriting, that budget, and how we look at things. Exactly. Yeah. And let's dive into numbers real quick a little bit. So on this project, we raised a total of $1.2 million, uh, just, just shy of really, but $1.2 million is the number. And what does all that go towards really? Well, A, the biggest one's going to be the property down payment of almost $700,000. And then you say, well, where's the other $500,000 going? Well, that's a great question. And we're going to get into that here. We plan on putting in $226,000 into the property. That's going to be uh, new AC units, new HVAC units, new hot water tanks, all those units that haven't had that done yet, because we like to be proactive and get it done prior to a hot water tank exploding and leaking all over our renovated unit. That's also going to go in towards re-renovating all of those, not re-renovating, excuse me, renovating all those non-renovated units. Um, We talked with property management yesterday. We're going to power wash the property. We're going to do some restriping possibly uh, to just increase the flow or uh, minimize the flow of traffic in certain areas and make it a little bit safer for the residents and a little bit more, uh, I guess you could say, understandable of where parking is. And then putting up new uh, blinds and fixtures in the units, whether they're renovated or not, just to clean up the exterior. And then uh, some of those other expenses are going to go towards closing costs. Then you're going to have SEC fees, attorney fees, um, through all those closing costs, prepaid property, the taxes, insurance. Uh, we do set aside a working capital slash reserve budget. So a few months of operating expenses and mortgage payments, we put aside in a savings account. And then there's some other fees associated with doing the project. So that's what all those funds are going to go towards. And looking on the investor side of things, what does that look like? So we did a 7% preferred return. For those of you that aren't aware of what a preferred return is, just the quick and dirty is we, there's no split of distributions. The investors will get 7% return on their money each year before there's any split of profits. So if you're putting in 100,000 each year, you're going to get 7,000 before anyone else gets anything from cash flow on the property. And if we only get 6% year one, then that means you get 8% year two. So whatever amount of that 7% you don't get in each year as an investor, that's going to accrue and it's going to uh, build over time and you're going to get reimbursed for it in the next year. And if you don't get reimbursed for it there, the next year, and it's going to keep going down the line until you get your 7% preferred return. And if you don't get it through cash flow, then you'll make up for it on the proceeds of sale before there's any split. 
What is that split there for after? That is a 75-25% split. 75%, so a very generous amount goes to our investors. 25% goes to the general partnership team, DJ, myself, and other partners we have on the deal managing the asset, the actual asset management. So again, what does that mean? 7% right there goes to the investors. Any dollar, therefore, after that 7%, the investor gets 75% of that dollar or 75 cents. And then we get 25 cents or 25% of that dollar. Same thing with sale proceeds. The 7% return on those sale proceeds goes to the investors. Then every 75 cents on each dollar goes to that investor and 25 cents goes to us. I hope that's not too confusing. That makes sense to the listeners and the investors. Now, I think that's a great explanation. And so just to, to build on a little bit, you know, we keep talking about this being a business. It has income and expenses. Uh, yeah. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to total that up. And in this case, it'll be quarterly. Um, once all the bills are paid, we have distributable cash left over. Yep. Dante talked about this and they call it a waterfall distribution. Um, so the first thing that's going to happen is once we realize, uh, through proper accounting practices, how much distributable cash that we have left over, what he explained is the first 7%, all of it goes to the passive investors. We don't get anything. Correct. Um, so we need to make sure that we do a good job. It incentivizes us. It prioritizes the investors, um, for deals that I look at to invest in passively when I see that. Uh, I certainly throw that in the plus column. And then from there, Dante talked about a 75-25 split where the passive investors get 75% of that distributable cash. Uh, you will see, if you look at syndication deals, uh, different splits between what we call the GP and the LP, the general partners, the limited partners, the limited partners being the passive investors. And those range from... Uh, typically 80-20 to 60-40, depending on the deal. Usually those 80-20 deals that I see are very large apartment buildings. Not always, but in most cases they are. Uh, But a lot of times too, we'll we'll see different waterfall distributions. Well, you'll see that as the uh, returns increase, uh, meaning the overall returns from the asset, uh, you'll see those start to adjust. Uh, well, they'll go 75, 25, 70, 30, and so on. As the returns get higher, the GP team will incentivize themselves to produce higher returns, but they'll also take a larger share of the cut, um, which I think is fair. If they're doing a great job, they should be rewarded. We do have one waterfall distribution built into this, Dante. Uh, and I believe we set that at 17% IRR. 17% IRR. Let's talk about that in a minute when we actually go to the, uh, okay. the returns just to kind of yep. show what that looks like. Yep. Um, but yeah, so talking about that split there. So that gives the investors an idea of what's going on. And then the returns. So before we talk about returns, I do want to have this cap rate conversation because this is going to tie into the returns. So we purchased this asset with an inline T12 that's trailing 12 expenses and income of 5.09% of a cap rate. As the cap rate increases, the property price decreases and vice versa. As the cap rate compresses, the property value or the purchase price or the sale price, whatever price, the value of the asset is going to increase. We always, always, always account for the cap rate to increase 
which will essentially make the property value decrease. It's not saying, okay, we purchased at 2.5, we're gonna bump up the cap rates. So now the property's only gonna be worth 2 million. That's not what we're talking about. As we increase the income, it's gonna increase the value of the property, but we also kind of uh, throttle it, throttle it, so to speak, with that cap rate uh, compression or increase. So, right. so, so basically Dante, we are cheering for the cap rate to go down throughout the life of the deal. Yep. But in our underwriting or our business plan, we plan for it to go up. Correct. It's so if it does go down or if we sell this asset at a cap rate below the plan, then that's a win for our investors. Correct. Under promise, over deliver with those returns. So we're, we usually account for anywhere from uh, five to 15 basis points per year, an increase in value, sometimes as high as 25 basis points. Um, on this one here, we were really at, I want to say 15, um, we're at, at 20 basis points. So pretty close. Yep. Just, yeah, just shy close. of 20. Yep. Just shy of 20. So we actually accounted for a 6% exit cap rate by year five. So that means about, let's say six minus the 5.09. Now our 91. investors, while you're going over those numbers, our investors will be really excited to hear. And Dante, I haven't asked you this question yet, mm -hmm. but if we were to underwrite this deal right now today, knowing what we know now, Yep. that we could buy at a 5.09 cap rate and you were to underwrite the deal today and make an offer, what would you have your exit cap rate be for the underwriting? I'd, I'd be in the low fives, probably. I'd probably be in the low fives. So assets like people, this- People, that's you, huge. Yeah. That, that is so, we're at a six. That is huge, huge. Right. So our investors who are in this deal should be really excited. Yeah, because properties like this in the Carolinas are trading for sub five caps right now. The fact that we got it over a five cap is great. That's going to come down to the relationship with the broker and just kind of know who you know to get access to a deal before it goes to market. And that's exactly what happened here. That brings us back to the asterisk, asterisk on cap rate. <laughs> like yeah, this is, yep. I, I'm so excited about this for the people that are investing in this deal. It also requires patience though, because it's right now we're planning on a five-year hold. We could sell it year three. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to evaluate the market. That's a whole different story, but for our investors, be patient. You'll receive returns according to the business plan. But when this thing goes to sell, that's where the upside is with this specific deal. Yeah. We have different opportunities that we'll, we'll propose where we return a major portion of the investor capital throughout the deal. And that has its own benefits and so on. The upside in this deal is going to be when we sell really good cash flow in the meantime. I think we're 9%, don't they? It, yeah. In, so in the underwriting, the cash on cash return is not going to change no matter the cap rate because it's based yep. on operations, not sale. Yep. So yep. we're at 9.3% uh, average cash on cash return for the life of the deal. What does that look for the investors? Year one, 7.76%. So just a quick example there, since there's a 7% re preferred return, the investor's automatically going to get $7,000 on their investment. And then that 0.76%, they get 75% of that, we get 25% of that. Year two is gonna jump up to 10.92%. So we're, we're implementing the business plan, we're increasing the income, decreasing the expenses. And then it's actually gonna drop down in year two, three, and four, or excuse me, year three, four, and five. And that's because the interest only period on the loan has expired. So now our payments switch from just interest only to interest in principal. So the debt service of the mortgage is gonna increase. So we go from seven, these are investor returns, not deal returns. 
we go from 7.76% return year one, 10.92% year two. We go down to 8.73 in year three, 9.32 in year four, and about 10% in year five. So the cash flow this property spits off is phenomenal. It's great returns. I mean, typically an investor is looking for seven or 8% on average. We're thrown off 9.3%. Those are based on projections. But again, we're very conservative for underwriting. I mean, year one alone, we accounted for 11% economic vacancy on the property, which is, is very conservative. Um, kind of coming full circle to this, not boring people too much with these numbers, but really trying to get our point across. Um, based on that 6% exit cap rate. So in year five, our net operating income is, well, I should say the current net operating income on the property is 127000 we plan to bump Dante, it up. Be, before you jump into that, the, the mm -hmm. thing we haven't covered is these properties, like any business, are valued based on their net operating income. Correct. Your estimate for calculating uh, the purchase price of the value of the property is your net operating income. So how much revenue essentially does the business or the, the multifamily apartment complex produce divided by this cap rate? So that's why, because the, the cap rate is in the denominator, that's why when the cap rate goes up, your, your property value or your purchase price, if you're looking to buy an asset, goes down. It's an inverse relationship. So right. if the cap rate drops, meaning you have favorable market conditions, then your sales price goes up. Exactly. So it, currently, the property is operating at 127000 not operating income. Year one, we plan to increase that to 152000 Year three, or excuse me, year two, 199,000, call it 200,000 NOI. And then every year it's going to increase by about uh, anywhere from five to 10,000 per year. And you say, well, how does it continue to increase? Because we're continuing to increase rents annually. Every time there's a, a renewal or a new lease that's going into place, we're going to increase that. So, what does that mean? By year five, we plan on the net operating income of this property to be at $220,000. Uh, divided by so that 220,000 divided by that 6% exit cap rate that we've accounted for, uh, you're going to be looking at a market value of 3.6 million. So we've increased this property value from 2.5 to 3.6 million on value. And then that's going to allow us to get our, give our investors a 15.7% uh, IRR for the projected. return. Yep. Projected. projected and an equity multiple of 1.91. So that means we're going to just, just shy of double the investor's money within two years, or excuse me, five years. Five years, yep. But here, here's the caveat. So that's at 6%. Let's say we sell this at- hey Dante, before, before you do that, hold that mm -hmm. thought there, because I, I want to focus on that NOI for just a second. Yep. Because you had talked about us going from about 140,000 to almost 200,000 in two years. Is that a big jump might be the question on somebody's mind. And how are we able to accomplish that, right? We accomplish that by driving revenue. We drive revenue. Those The jumps in the first two years are because we're renovating apartments. Is a like, It's like a hockey it. stick, an upside down hockey yep. stick. It's, it's yep. real, real steep and then it kind of plateaus out. Right, exactly. So, so we can take uh, larger increases in reasonable, achievable increases in the first two years because we're going to take apartment units that are running for six fifty, 
renovate them and rent them out for almost $1,000 or maybe even over $1,000. That produces that large jump in NOI if we do uh, you know, eight units this year, less than one per month, that will help us go a large way to achieving that goal. And for the units that are already renovated, as those units get changed out, we will also continue to drive those already renovated units towards market rates, which are higher than what we're currently charging. Market so rates upside. is the key word there. Market yep. rates. Not what and we, we talked about we that earlier. Yep. Not an imaginary number, actually looking at the numbers. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. That's what it comes down to. And we're looking at data here. We're very data-driven individuals. Are we not, DJ? A absolutely. You're an engineer. Uh, it's in your blood. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, but Dante, uh, not being an engineer, uh, might even be better with numbers than me. So uh, we, we are definitely numbers-driven. We want to... Uh, you know, there's always the art of the deal, but I think that has to do with more how we acquire it and working with the brokers and the broker relationships and things like that. But at the end of the day, for our investors, we want to stand behind numbers. Uh, and exactly. again, the budgets slash underwriting that we do, uh, I, I just, we get tons of compliments. That's not, I don't say that to pat ourselves on the back or to pat Dante on the back. The compliments to me are reassuring because we're doing the right thing for the investors, right? That's the important part. If we can't deliver returns and deliver on these plans, then we, we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. Uh, and I'm fully confident that we're going to get there at the end of the day when all this is done. Uh, we're going to have some very happy investors who, who want to participate in more deals. Definitely. And I, I want to wrap up this uh, cap rate conversation. And then I want to just touch on taxes real quick and the plan there, and then really just wrap up the whole conversation. So 6% exit cap rate, we talked about our returns. Let, let's just say the market compresses to a 5.5 cap. That's now going to increase our IRR from 15.7 to 18.4%. And that equity multiple goes from a 1.9 to a 2.12. Uh, let's just say we sell it what we bought it at, at the 5.09% to be exact, that's going to bump the uh, IRR, the internal rate of return to 20.7% and the equity multiple to 2.3%. That's, that's phenomenal. So if you're, so, you're putting in 50,000. Yeah, so I, I want to I put an exclamation point on that. When we talk equity multiple, if you put $100,000 in the deal and we say the equity multiple, the plan for this deal is that in five years, you're going to make $90,000. So you give us $100,000, we're going to return to you $190,000. You've made $90,000. I want to be crystal clear about this. Dante, you said if we can sell at the same cap rate that we purchased the property at, the equity multiple would be what? Uh, it would be 2.33 per uh, X. So you just yep. multiply that times 0.233. And if you put in $100,000, we're going to give you three, three. Correct. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did yeah. I screw that up? <laughs> yeah. So if you give us a hundred thousand dollars in five years, we're not going to return to you $190,000. We're going to return to you $233,000. That's over all the distributions and the profits at sale total. And I think, you know, we'll know in five years or less, right. Uh, that's an achieve to me, in my eyes, with what's going on in the market right now, that's an achievable goal. And Completely it could be even agree. higher. Could no, be yeah. even higher. If this yep. traded, I, I don't want to get too, too uh, 
carried away here, but let's yeah. say it was a sub five cap at 4.75%. Get carried away. This is the exciting part about this. Yeah, that's it, true. It, yeah, it really is. absolutely. This so is the cool part. We, we had an individual put in $200,000 on this deal. And if we traded at a 4.75%, he will 2.5X his dollars. So he'll give us, that, that's insane. He will give us $200,000, okay? And he will get cash flow. He'll get tax benefits. And when we sell this project, he will get a total of half a million dollars back, $500,000 on his $200,000. So he will make $300,000 profit on this project for doing nothing besides doing a wire transfer. Absolutely. Now, two months ago. <laughs> look, we're, we're not against the stock market. Dante no, and I no. both invest against the stock market. With the stock market, you're going to get your ups and downs. So Dante's a young guy. And he's he occasionally says stuff to me about the stock market, about what it did today, what it did today. And I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Are you really going to touch that money for like the next five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years? Like, right, right. You know, for a lot of us, we put money in the stock market. And if you're a younger person, you know, it doesn't matter what the market does until you sell. Yeah, it doesn't. And it and it's going to go up and down. So if you want to ride that emotional roller coaster, go ahead. What I'm talking about here is real estate is solid and it's steady. You're not going to be on that roller coaster ride. So for anybody who's not in real estate that that's considering it, this is an awesome passive way of doing it. We know that wealth is built through real estate. Some of the wealthiest people in the world, a lot of them have done it through real estate. This that we're talking about is the power of real estate and you can do it passively through syndications. Call us and ask us out. We're happy to share any of this. You need to make your own choice. Uh, But uh, you know, for me personally, I've actually diverted some of my retirement funds by passively investing in other people's deals. And it's uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. It takes a little bit of time because again, these are three, five, sometimes 10 year holds. Um, But those are all things that we can help educate you on, that we're happy to talk through the power of this and the benefit of it. It does require a little bit of patience, but you're going to see steady, awesome returns. And just to continue on this boat, because I love this, this individual (laughs) that, you know, put in 200,000, if he gets, if we sell at that cap rate and he gets 500,000 back, odds are he's going to place that 500,000 with us again. And if we just two exit, not even 2.5 exit, he'll get a million dollars at the end of the day. He'll turn 200 into a million, $200,000 into a million dollars. So it, last thing to touch on real quick, because we're, we're wrapping up here is taxes for the property. So what is that going to look like? We're not CPAs. We're not accountants. Talk to your tax advisor. We're not giving you advice. We can't predict the future. We, yeah, exactly. We're, we're just telling you how it is. So as you invest in these projects, you, you own units you are an owner of this entity that owns the project, owns this property. So you get the tax benefits. So not only are we going to take depreciation, so 2.5 million, uh, we can only assess the actual building, not the land. So times 90%, which is uh, 2.25 million um, divided by 27 and a half years. So what I'm doing there is I'm calculating depreciation. So divided by 27.5, that is 81, call it $82,000 of uh, depreciation, paper loss we can take per year and pass that on to our investors on a pro rata share basis. 
that's great. That's all great and dandy. You can do that on a single family, a duplex, whatever you want as an investment property. But what we're going to do here is we're going to have a cost segregation company come in and they're going to go through an engineer. They're going to go through the property and they're going to allocate different things to this property in different buckets, whether that's carpeting, cabinets, paint, windows, roof, fixtures, and they're going to put it on its own depreciation schedule. And we're actually going to be able to take what's called 100% bonus depreciation in year one. And we're going to take all that depreciation and we're going to pass it on to our investors. So instead of waiting for that 82000 each year, uh, I can just pull it up here actually real quick, which is a rough estimate, cost segregation. So we're able to take five, instead of taking 81000 per year, we can take $530,000 of depreciation in year one and pass it on to our investors. Depending on your tax situation, you can take that against your earned income if you're a real estate professional full-time. Again, consult with your tax consultant. Or if you're not a real estate professional, you can take that against your passive uh, income and passive gains each year and show a paper loss or uh, not even a paper loss, but really a, a, a net loss, zero. And then whatever doesn't get used of that depreciation, that 100% bonus depreciation, you can push into the next calendar year. And if you don't use all of it, then the next calendar year, and you continue to do that. So you aren't paying taxes on the cash flow for these projects. Something I just want to touch on real quick, because that's definitely uh, icing on the cake. That's just uh, nothing illegal about that. That's the tax no. code and we're just following it. No. And if you're investing out of a retirement account, um, there are some different rules that apply. So you need to be careful. But in general, if it's like a solo 401k, you, you won't recognize that benefit because you're already getting the benefit that the, the protected retirement income uh, provides because you're not paying taxes on that. But all your returns do go back into your retirement. So exactly. in and out of the same yeah. account. Yep. Well, I, I think we really described this project pretty well. It should give individuals a great picture of what we're doing with this asset, the business plan, and a little bit about you know you and I, DJ, and how we function in this business. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we uh, wrap this up? No, just more importantly than this specific deal, we're trying to do with this podcast is is continue to educate people. I think it's something that uh, people should have uh, in their toolbox uh, in terms of their their wealth management or their wealth generation, uh, preparing for the future. It's, uh, we're just trying to use this as an example, uh, certainly trying to build our credibility with people. The one thing I'll, I'll say about us is, um, as Dante and I talk about these deals, uh, we don't sit there and have conversations about how much money that we're going to make. And do we make money on these deals? Yes, we absolutely do. Do we want to do more? Yes. Um, when I look at the amount of effort that went in uh, versus how much money that we'll make uh, on an hourly basis, it's probably not the greatest thing in the world. But uh, what we're motivated by is producing results for the investors. Yep. Uh, I've learned a lot about myself through this deal. And that's what I've learned is uh, just like when I worked my W-2 job, uh, I really took care of my employer and I treated their money like it was my own. And for anybody that's willing to invest with us, we'll do the same thing here. Uh, it's uh, even, it's amplified for me because, um, you know, an employer's money, while I took care of it and treated it like it was my own, you know, they, they were a big employer. They, they had lots of money. Um, when we have investors, people's hard-earned money, and they say to us, yes, we'll invest with you. What they're saying to us is, yes, we trust you. And we appreciate that and value that. 
And again, we will treat that money even more than I would my own, take care of it even more. I never want to go face somebody and say, this bad thing happened. Um, and that's really the nature behind everything that we do. Uh, so for anybody that's invested with us, we appreciate it. For anybody who's thinking about it, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, we got more deals coming and uh, we're just, we're working real hard and real smart and going to continue to uh, have stories like this to tell. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, DJ and I, you, DJ, you and I were on a phone call last night talking about this possible next acquisition. And I was just getting fired up. I was like so excited with the, the, the plan we have for it, how the numbers look and what the investors are going to get like super excited. So uh, everyone that's listening, we really appreciate your time. We hope you that's guys the have teaser. another, te- another hunt yeah, for the next yeah. episode. <laughs> we, uh, we hope you guys have a, a wonderful and blessed holiday season with your family, friends, and loved ones. Uh, please stay safe. Um, if you're looking to chat directly with DJ or myself, um, you can head over to our website, victorycapgroup.com. That's C-A-P for capital. So victorycapgroup.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page, the bottom of the website. There's a form there. You can fill out uh, your name, your number, your email, and uh, any questions you have, and we'll connect directly with you. That's also a great way to get on our uh, deal list. So whenever we have a new opportunity, a new acquisition, we'll send it out to you and uh, you'll get various updates on what we're doing with the yeah, business. I believe so, our phone number's in there too, Dante. It is, yeah. Us. Yep. Call so us. on the bottom, you've got the form, you can schedule a consultation. So a one-on-one call with myself and then our phone numbers and emails are on there. So you can definitely reach out. We get people reaching out all the time, schedules, uh, calls schedule all the time. Love talking to you guys. Love adding value, whether it's this or something else. Just like meeting new people in the business too. We've the amount of people we've met, even in your own backyard. DJ Rob being one of them, just yeah. super cool, super fun. So with that, yeah. thank you and, so and, much. And what we tell people, I want to be very clear about this: that you'll never get a pressure sell from us. Oh, of course. Uh, so if you yeah. just want to call up and have the talk, it's fine. You need to convince yourself. We'll never try to talk somebody into one of our deals. The deals speak for themselves, um, and certainly we do have a responsibility to make sure that when people decide to invest with us, that it's the right decision for them. And we actually are required by the SEC to participate in that decision-making process. Definitely. So with that, again, thank you, everyone. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.